3: Time we're ever getting excited about
0: sex. From now on it's first, okay? All I want to do is fucking eat! I want Judy! I want Judy! I want you to want this shit! Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me! Budget needed again!
4: Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bradton. I go by SUC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange vowels on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer?
2: Hey, buddy. How are you? Whoa. What's the matter, Shane? <laughs> Dude, I'm out of beer. I thought I had some, but I didn't have any. <laughs> I left a box in there and I went to go grab one, unless and, and one of my kids snuck one out, which, just kidding, they didn't do that. My <laughs> kids don't do that. But yeah,
4: so here I am, Sober Shane. What's up? Well, this is, uh, <laughs> hey, maybe this is a good lesson to all the listeners out there. Obviously, we got a game on Saturday. It's time to go stock the fridge so you don't end up like Cousin Shane is on this show. And speaking of not drinking alcohol, Shane, let's start the show off with this. I don't know if you heard the news out of Knoxville, Shane, but the BYU Alumni Association, they're planning a tailgate festivities there for the Week 2 game when they come down to Rocky Top. And have you heard what they're calling this event? No. What is it? It's the Cougar Town Tailgate.
2: <laughs> the Cougar Town Tailgate. I like it. I think I've been to one of those parties, man.
4: <laughs> so I don't know what a BYU Cougar Town Tailgate looks like, Shane, but they're going to be in a World's Fair Park on Saturday. Uh, you know, you might as well go say what's up to those fine folks because they are good people. They're going to be coming down to Knoxville. Uh, give them an SEC welcome there, and uh, I saw that uh, they're also shell- selling those y'all shirts. So that's that's going to be a big thing. There's going to be qu- plenty of y'all shirts when BYU comes to Rocky Top.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, it's so. You know, I'm i have I'm hearing great things about it, Mike. You know what it is? And, and when I go, I like to make fun of the opposing team. Mm-hmm. It's gonna. This may be the toughest one. I'm still going to do it, but it's still going to be tough, Mike. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got to
4: welcome them right. You know what? That's right. Give them a hug, Mike. All right, Shane, before we go around the league, just wanted to get on this real quick. I don't know people love these damn polls for some reason, but the AP poll was released on Monday, the official preseason poll. So I know you're not a big fan of these, I'm not particularly either, so we will just go over this pretty quickly here, but Alabama debuted at number two, Georgia number three, LSU number six, Florida number eight, Texas A&M number 12, and Auburn number 16, so the SEC there has got six in the top 16, four of the top eight. And then in the other receiving category, Missouri is number 26, so just outside the poll. Mississippi State, number 28. And South Carolina, number 35. So uh, all in all, they're in the top 35. SEC has got nine teams represented in this poll. So that's pretty good. Dude, that's real good. I mean, think about that. Eight teams in the nation, four
2: of them are the SEC. You know, that's. I think that's very impressive. Let me ask you, though, and I don't like We talked about we don't like these polls and stuff like that. But do you think anybody on this list is a little higher than they should be?
4: You're going to get me in trouble here, Shane, but <laughs> it's definitely right there at number eight for me. The Florida Gators, I'm not. Uh, I'm obviously not sold on them. Texas A&M, a little high at number 12. Auburn at 16 is a little low for me. But uh, aside from that, I mean, I'm
2: surprised Missouri. I mean, I don't even know if they're allowed to get on this thing, but... I thought maybe they'd be a top 25 team at least, you know, because they've had a lot of hype coming into this season.
4: Mm -hmm. Well, the thing for Missouri, I don't think it really matters if they're ranked or not because their schedule is so light. I mean, they kind of need to prove something anyway. You know what I mean? So there's an outstanding chance that they're, you know, 5-0, and 6-0 to start the season. That mm-hmm. will get them into the top 20 before things start getting real for them. So I'm, I'm not too concerned about where Missouri starts. It's all about how they finish because that at the beginning, I mean, they're playing a bunch of nobodies anyway. Yeah. Do you like that bait, though? <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a lot of Florida-Miami talk, so we're off on the right start, Shane. But before we get to that game, the big week zero game, uh, let's go around the league. Let's do it. Now let's go, now around, let's
3: the go around the
0: league. We, we haven't decided how we're going to play the guys, so, and I wouldn't tell you if I did, so, you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it.
3: No, I mean, I'll be
1: whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week, All our reply, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, just hear it over and over and you know like every other every third song it'll roll through within the crowd noise that you play at practice so you just uh get used to it it's a catchy tune right,
5: right. this game's gonna be a street fight this game's gonna be a street fight i mean some of you guys don't know who kimbo slice is hopefully you do um, and you go back to it man this isn't a sanction fight this is a street fight i mean this is the sec so I man it's time it's time to put on the hard hat, launch bail let's get to work
4: All right, Shane, starting here in Nashville. Take it down, Coach Derek Mason. He spoke to the media here recently, and uh, he got into the quarterback competition there in Nashville. Uh, let's jump to what Coach Mason said, and then we'll discuss it on the back end here.
5: Yeah, I mean, I I, I thought during during the regular, uh, you know, in situations, I thought they were pretty good. Uh, you know, like in the two minute situation. Okay, man, I need better decision making. Okay, one thing about that, man, you can't take sacks. Can't take sacks uh, like in those situations. Got to take care of the football uh, and understand how you're managing the clock. If you got a timeout, if you got no timeouts, like what does that look like? That's why you put them in those situations. Again, it's all information. But I thought uh, they 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 did a good job of manufacturing points when we're in the red zone. They did a good job of you know in moving the ball um, and especially with the one group uh, as the quarterbacks rotated. They both did a good job of of, you know, final receivers, Um, and I thought they threw good balls. I thought there were some catchable balls. We missed a couple early, came back, made some good catches late. So, overall, man, I thought the quarterbacks were solid.
4: All right, Shane, so Derek Mason, you know, I thought this was kind of interesting. I I really like hearing him talk because it seems like he tells it straight and he tells you what he's really looking for. And, yes, this is kind of like getting into the finer details of a quarterback competition. You know, we all want to know – you know, how accurate they are and, you know, how effective they are leading a team and all that. And Derek Mason's taking this thing to another level, just uh, really interested in how his guys respond to tough, adverse situations.
2: Yeah, absolutely, man. And I'll tell you what, out of all the quarterback competitions, I really do think that this is the closest one. And, you know, I think Mason – I think if anybody was going to name a starting quarterback first out of all these coaches, it would have been him. Mm-hmm. And I think, honestly, he hasn't done it because he just doesn't know yet.
4: Yeah, I would also say, though, that I don't know why he would kind of let that information out there just for the fact that, you know, they're not playing. There's been teams in the past, like I, I think they opened with Tennessee State and, and teams of that nature here recently. They're opening with the Georgia Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. coming to Nashville. So I just don't I don't think you want Kirby Smart having any idea what you're throwing at him. And I think uh just based on what I'm hearing Shane, it sounds like it's going to be about 75-80% Georgia fans at this game. They're fired up for this game. It's Labor Shane. Day weekend. They're going to descend on it. So it's almost going to be like a road game. Uh so I I think that just complicates, you know, it it makes me seem like whatever Derek Mason here is is selling of of these tough situations. They're gonna whoever he names as a starting quarterback is gonna get that out of the opening gate.
2: So you you think he's hiding? You think he's he knows who it is and he's just not gonna tell because of Georgia?
4: Well, he may not know who it is, but I just I just disagree with your point that you know they would name it early in the training camp because I just think that I just think they're gonna keep it close to the vest because they want Georgia just just having no idea what's coming at them. Okay. Okay. All right, we're off to a strong start, Mike, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then sticking here in Vanderbilt, Shane, I thought this was particularly interesting because uh, for those who are not aware, Tim Horton is the new running backs coach here in Vanderbilt, and he was a longtime running backs coach at Auburn, and we know how Auburn, uh, up until last year, I mean, I believe they had a streak of eight or nine years with a 1,000-yard rusher, and there's, there were a lot of guys that came through that program that went to the NFL from the running back position. Tim Horton's a hell of a running back coach. I think the only reason he's not at Auburn anymore, not exactly an elite recruiter. And I think at Vanderbilt, they obviously have some talent. Keyshawn Vaughn may be the best running back in the SEC. And I just thought it was particularly interesting. Coach Mason talked about how Keyshawn Vaughn's game and all the running backs there at Vanderbilt could get better this year under Tim Horton's leadership. Keyshawn already
6: accomplished a lot last year. You bring in Tim Horton, and he's got a long list of great
5: running backs, he's coached. Do you believe the right position coach can make a player that much better? You no, know, I, I, I definitely believe that the right position coach always makes a good player better. You know, he's able, you know, first of all, um, that position coach winds up being a great teacher. Okay, I man, and being able to get them from where they are to where they want to be, they're able to assess, you know, where you're at. Talk about the things that are specific to, you know, how you need to get better, and then you know, give you a process, okay, and a game plan to do that. And you know, with Coach Horton's experience, that's exactly what he's done. But not just that, I think, you know, man, you you see a better Jamari Wakefield, you see a better, you know, Keon Brooks. I I, I think when I take a look at these guys, these guys are all getting better. I think Coach Horton, uh, you know, understands the temperament. I think he knows when to push. I think he knows when to pull. But, you know, as I've seen Keyshawn specifically, uh, you know, Keyshawn's done everything that coach is asking him to do. And that's where I'm starting to see, you know, a more balanced Keyshawn bond, And that's what this team needs in 2019.
4: All right, Shane. So you kind of see what I'm saying there. It Mm -hmm. seems like Derek Mason's pretty fired up about uh, having Tim Horton on his staff and what he can bring to the running back room.
2: Yeah. I mean, you look at it, this coach, and honestly – Almost forgot he was up there, to be honest with you. But the last six years that he was with Gus, you kind of hit on it. I mean, we had some, we had some real studs coming through there, like Trey Mason and mm-hmm. Payne and uh, On Johnson. You know, some of those guys that are that playing at the next level. Mm-hmm. So you know, and it kind of mirrors a little bit what Mason was saying earlier this week when he was talking just about the room in general, you know, that there's just kind of that swagger in the running back room. Everybody's getting better, not just Keyshawn Vaughn, you know.
4: Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be big because they're – with the uns- unsettled quarterback position, they're going to rely on this ground game. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Lexington. Uh- Mark Stoops recently met with the media to break down Kentucky's second scrimmage. And if you remember his first scrimmage thoughts, I mean, he was calling some guys out. Cash Daniel kind of came out and said the same thing. The effort, maybe not fully there. Called out some of the younger players. Didn't say anyone specifically, but just said, you know, this ain't high school. (laughs) You've got to come with something different. This is the SEC. And based on what Coach Stoops had to say here, I think they got what they were looking for from the second scrimmage.
3: Better second scrimmage, uh, you know, as far as, you know, I think both units, the offense and the defense, and the special teams, all three units, did some really good things at at times. Um, The things that I want to see cleaned up is, is I felt like there were times when one side or the other had success because of the other side being a bit sloppy. Um, in that, we got to get cleaned up. I want to see more just good fundamental football across the board, where one side or the other is winning uh, because the other side is making outstanding plays. And that wasn't always the case today, but uh, I did felt like feel like our position on the football was much better defensively. We were much more sound across the board. Made the offense work for their yards. Um, offense did some good things as well. Moved it at times. Uh, you know, we stalled them early them out of the end zone and then late in the scrimmage they got a few and offensively we're going to be we're going to be fine we're going to be good you know they continue to run the ball very effectively uh we're doing some really good things um you know as, as far as uh you know our our play calling and you know the the system that we have in place there's some good there's some hard hard plays to defend out there and i think terry's getting more and more comfortable with um just the you know,
4: first, second down passing game. All right, Shane. So it sounds like message was received loud and clear from some of these wildcats. The Stoops, uh, it seems like he was really pleased with both sides of the ball, which is kind of interesting coming out of a scrimmage. You know, you would think one would win the day, but uh, it just sounded like the defense got improved at the same time. They're happy with the uh, offense's progression here in training camp.
2: Yeah. I mean, the defense is what we heard about, but, you know, he ended up talking about the offense. He he used the word great. The offense looked great. So something that he hit on was, uh, Terry, uh, looking good in first and second down. So one thing, you know, I think it would be hard as a head coach to look at a scrimmage and not be biased to the offense or defense. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, if you, if you go in and and you're a defensive-minded coach, you want your defense to do good. You want the offense to do good, but you want your defense to hold up. And same thing with the offense side, you know. So I like how he made it sound. You know, it made sense to me that it, it doesn't come down to uh, who's letting up the bigger plays, but who's making the bigger plays. So uh, it's just an interesting way of looking at scrimmages. And, uh, you know, that's what why he's one of the, I think, uh, like one of the better coaches in the SEC, you know what
4: I'm saying? Definitely. And how about this, Shane? We did not touch on this when we were talking about the AP poll, but Kentucky did not get a single vote of any team in the SEC. And you think I'm not saying they should be ranked? I'm not saying they shouldn't be really necessarily either. I I wouldn't rank them, but I could certainly see of all the voters someone putting them in there after a ten win season any motivation here extra motivation i guess you could say for the wildcats for i mean it's just like they have to start from scratch here it's kind of ridiculous mike you know because when you look at this list it's
2: almost identical on how the season ended last year you know and but they pick a few teams and kentucky's one of them to say hey, you know what there's just no way they can do it there's just no way they can win 10 games this year you know mm-hmm. so that's the chip on the shoulder i mean you got to remember this We were late into last season, and they still had an opportunity to play for an SEC championship. Mm -hmm. And yes, they lost Benny Snell, and yes, they lost a lot of defense, but there's a lot of pieces coming back, man. And and the main ones, I think, is Terry. I think the quarterback, he's healthy, you know. I think we're going to see a better quarterback. I think the running back situation is great. Uh, and and they do have pieces on that defense to be competitive and stay in any game. So, yeah, they, they're not getting a lot of respect this year, man.
4: And final update here for Kentucky, Shane, unfortunate news. Freshman quarterback Nick Scalzo, this is a guy we touched on previously who got cleared right before fall camp because he got injured last year in high school. It looks like he's injured his knee once again. That's terrible. Kentucky's kind of thin at quarterback already. Uh, this guy was competing to be, you know, he probably wouldn't have played this year. He was competing for number three, but mm-hmm. just hate to see any injury. You know what? Yeah, man. And fall camp's wrapping
2: up, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, we're we're almost there. You know, you're gonna have some during the season, but it's always the fall camp when these kids come back that you're worried the most. And
4: and we're almost there, guys. Just keep praying. All right, Shane. Let's jump on down to Oxford.
1: old Miss.
4: Matt Luke met with the media here on Monday. And uh, he didn't offer up a ton of information, but I just thought it was interesting. Uh, His latest update on his team improvement, their improvement during training camp. And then, most importantly, offensive line, Shane, it sounds very optimistic that uh, they think they're going to get senior right tackle Alex Givens back in the lineup. This would be huge. This is one of their best players overall. And if he's not going, Shane, they're probably going to start a true freshman right tackle without Alex Givens so uh, here's Luke on the improvement of his team and then uh on just the latest update here on Alex Givens you said big improvement over the first scrimmage what are some of the things that you think you did better in this one yeah
0: all the things just the body language and the competitive spirit and uh, you know I just I thought the back and forth was good in the competition and the energy level I just thought it was better you're obviously 12 days away now do you are you starting to get to that place where you kind of get away from camp and more into game week prep a little bit? Yeah, you know, uh, still, you know, with a young team, I think it's important to get the speed of the game. Uh, But what we did have uh, kind of half and half today where we're introducing Memphis but still getting the speed of the game um, just to try to get ahead because we do got a little bit of extra time. Around a little bit, do you have an update on him? He's doing more football-specific stuff, like um, just trying to build that base so when he does come back and can start contact, he's not starting from zero. He'll have a you know a, a base built and he's starting to do more and working his legs more, and uh, you know he's looked pretty good. So I'm you know I, we're all anxious to get him back out there and he's moving closer. We just we have to be smart and progress him, but I think he's on track and uh, we'll get the final word uh, Monday of next week. I was going to ask, is there a point where he has to be back out there to realistically get ready? Yeah, you know I, I think um, I, I worry more about his conditioning. Than anything else, I think he's played enough football and will will integrate pretty quickly to that part of it. It's just having that base um, where he can go out there and function at full speed.
4: All right, Shane. So this is uh, going to be one of the more interesting Week One games, Memf- Ole Miss at Memphis, I should say. Yeah. And if the Rebels do not have Alex Givens, you know, I don't want to overstate how big just one guy is, but you know, I don't think he makes or breaks the game necessarily. But when you factor in you know, one of your star seniors or a true freshman. Uh, I I don't think it's completely, you know, unrealistic to say that. Uh, if I don't know if they can win without him.
2: Yeah, and I don't think they're going to have him, man. I mean, I I didn't feel encouraged listening to coach talk there. So, I think uh, Memphis game it's going to be real tough to have him there. So they may have to have that freshman starting.
4: Mm-hmm. Now that's interesting because I kind of got. I mean, I see why which why you would think that, but from what he was saying it sounds like to me like they will have him but maybe you know he was he was noting the conditioning there that's something that they've kind of brought up during training camp adjusting not only to the rich rod system but on just his tempo that he likes to use. And they can use it as a weapon, but if you got one lineman to, <laughs> 10 yards down the field and everyone else is in good shape, yeah, that I, that seems to be the biggest issue for Alex Givens right now because he just can't do it. But, uh, I mean, he looked like he was in hella shape there at SEC Media Day, so I'm just hopeful yeah. that he can go. You know what? Yeah, but it's just,
2: I just... I don't know, maybe it's just the type of injury. You know, when you say lower back, yeah. it feels, you know, I mean, you could probably feel good walking around and doing walkthroughs and things like that, but when it comes to hitting and stuff like that, you know, I mean, he, he hasn't been doing that. So maybe they work him in, uh, and hopefully he'll be back. I don't know, but it just, it just I'm just reading the way the coach sounded. It just didn't sound positive to me, but, uh, but I've been wrong a few times, Mike. You know, just a couple. But I've been wrong just a few times (laughs) in my life. (laughs) Not this season, though, baby. Not this season. I'm going to take Vegas over.
4: All right, Shay. final update here on Ole Miss. I wanted to make this note. Uh, This was first reported by David Johnson of 24-7 Sports, but it sounds like Ole Miss is expecting to add a tight end Uh, a guy by the name of chase Rogers this you may be familiar with this guy Shane he played at Louisiana Lafayette for two seasons but he was a long time Tennessee commit under Butch Jones Mm -hmm. and this is one of those sad situations where they hold a guy's commitment for like a year and a half and then signing day is coming up and they're like hey buddy we ain't got room for you Uh, so (laughs) so that's what happened with him at Tennessee and I, I don't think it's of any fault of Chase Rogers that he had to go to Louisiana Lafayette so it sounds like he's finally getting his chance to come to the SEC. And uh, this is a kid, Shane, he had 216 receptions, 3,700 receiving yards, 44 touchdowns. He owns all the records in Mississippi high school football at receiving. So, I mean, this guy, he could be – now, he's not going to be eligible this season because he's injured and he's transferring. So, got to make that note there. But, uh, hell, Shane, Ole Miss, got to be happy about getting this uh, potential – tight end here for the 2020 season
2: absolutely but injuries is the thing that concerns me with this guy because he's he's got a bum foot right now and then Mm -hmm. last year he missed because of his shoulder so Mm -hmm. i mean this guy you know he's he's been battling through some injuries but you know you see potential in high school you know he's he's a hell of a receiver and and you know i've seen some of his highlight clips when he, he was thinking about coming to tennessee i was excited about having this guy But uh, if he can get all the pieces together next year, yeah,
4: Ole Miss may have him a hell of a tight end down there. Yeah, and and I don't know if you know this. He was Miles – Miles Brennan was his quarterback, so the the LSU backup. So that's just kind of an interesting little tie there.
3: Hmm.
4: All right, Shane, we've been teasing it all week. We obviously know it's game day. Yeah. We got Florida, Miami, and Orlando. It's time to get into some Miami, Florida football talk.
2: It's football time, baby. We're
1: all in. I'm in order. I'm it. <laughs> One,
0: two, three, four.
1: Welcome to the center of the college universe. Who needs
0: hype when you have a Florida-Miami game? This is not just some rivalry. This is one-on-one combat. Brothers and sisters, I don't know what this world is coming to. In a series filled with bad blood, the Gators take on the Canes in a Sunshine State grudge match.
4: We usually don't have the opposing coach, but I just thought it would be kind of interesting to start there. So let's go to Manny Diaz, who spoke with the media here on Monday. And obviously, he's got a a long relationship with Dan Mullen. He worked with him twice there at Mississippi State. And I believe both times, you know, he got promoted to other jobs uh, where I guess you could say it would be a promotion. I I think it was the first time he went to Texas to go work for Mack Brown, who was uh, not very far removed from a national championship. And then the second time around, obviously, went down to Miami to go work with Mark Richt. And uh, the only reason I say that's an upgrade is because he's from Miami. I think his grandfather was former mayor down there. So it it was a bit of a homecoming. And obviously, it's worked out for Manny Diaz. Um, And Manny Diaz was asked about his relationship with Dan Mullen. And for all the bad blood there, Shane, between the fan bases and the players, uh, it sounds like Manny Diaz and uh, Dan Mullen are kind of right on the same page here heading into this game. They just love each other.
6: Talk about not only what it's going to feel like finally being a head coach in your first uh, college football game, but uh, also looking across the sideline seeing Dan Mullen, a guy who you've shared a sideline with, and also if you could just touch on uh, how much you respect uh, his, him as a head coach, also him as a play caller. Yeah. Um, well, let's 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 even start there. Just as as, as a person, um, I've got a lot a lot of respect for Dan Mullen. You know, I, mean, I think I think personally we we get along very well. We consider him a friend. Um, you know, we've we've worked together twice, and in two of those years, Mississippi State had two of the best years in, in their history. I think uh, I feel like we've always viewed the game uh, similarly. I, he's kind of a very creative guy, a little bit of an outside-the-box type thinker, and we've tried to always be the same way defensively, and I think that's why we always got along well together. I know that his offense is very well thought out, uh, and it's not just Dan at this point. His staff, a bunch of guys I know like John Hevesy and Brian Johnson and Billy Gonzalez and Greg Knox, um, they've been together a long time. So you've heard me talk in the last... Eight months about how important staff synergy is and chemistry and, and, and unity and all that type of stuff and, and how the players respond to that. Well, he's got that on his offensive staff and and that's what we've been trying to build out here with our defensive staff and there's some other guys on our defensive staff here that were at Mississippi State in in 2015. So um, we know it's going to be a challenge. You know, I don't think that there's any sort of advantage because we know him and he knows us and whatever. I think if anything, you just get on, on the on the grass and it's going to come down to you know I mean all the standards of terms of you know, who can block and who can get off blocks and who can cover and you know, who can throw and catch.
4: I thought that was particularly interesting, Shane, particularly when he's, Manny Diaz admitted uh, you know, what Dan Mullen has created on his offensive staff, which, these, hell, these guys have been with him since the very beginning of Mississippi State. So this is uh, 10 or 11 years, I think, here on the same staff. Manny Diaz looking for that same continuity on his staff. I just thought that was kind of an interesting observation.
2: Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, he's saying all the right things, and uh, I don't know. I kind of – I just don't like this, you know. This is why we started that Tell the Truth segment, because he, he's not telling the truth. He wants to whip Dan. Dan wants to beat him, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, and they're just coming out and kissing each other's ass for ten minutes. That's just a waste of time. Let's talk <laughs> football, you know what I'm saying? You know, I, Am I wrong with that? I mean – when we play NCAA, I love you. You're family. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But when we play against each other, I want to destroy you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to I don't want to tell you how great your offense
4: play calling is. You know what I'm saying? Um, okay. no, I just I think if they've worked together multiple times, it kind of says they they do enjoy each other and they kind of I don't know, they're kind of like on the same page. You think so? Uh yeah, maybe you're right. You never
2: know. I've
4: worked with some cool cats along my day. You know what I'm saying? And Right. Maybe I'm just – And then I think the real test is like, would you work with him again? And he obviously would. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Okay, I'm
2: I'm with you. I forgot Dan Enos was down there too, by the way.
4: Yeah. Well, speaking of the game, Manny Diaz did hit on that. And this was one thing that I had not thought of, Shane. Uh, Just the fact that – I mean, obviously it's a neutral site game, but these coaches kind of look at it a little bit differently. And I expect there's going to be – and this is I, i'm not uh, basing this off of anything just my own perception but i expect there's going to be more florida fans than there are miami fans i could be wrong but uh, he, you know he said his split crowd you know what i mean he just he's anticipating yeah. two both fan bases there obviously and uh, i just thought this comment here was interesting on uh, just his thoughts on on playing in front of a neutral field and taking that into account I know this
6: is your first game, but Miami's traditionally played Florida, Florida State, other big opponents to kick off a season. Right. What's the difference between playing a big game like this where the nation is watching versus, you know, maybe a D2 school or whatever? Obviously a lot more pressure right off the bat, correct? Well, where it's going to really factor in, again, and and if you think about it on both sides, is the players with the least amount of experience. But this game goes even beyond that. It's it's not just a big game, you know, um, which you see these cross – conference games it is a rivalry game in a stadium where the fans are going to be split 50 50. and that's very unique that's that's not going to occur i don't think any other weekend week one or or week zero week one in college football so everything that happens on saturday half the stadium is going to go crazy if not the entire stadium go crazy so the emotions and the emotional swings in being able to manage that so i don't think that you're going to prepare your team any differently if you're playing a quote-unquote lesser opponent as you say but the idea of getting a guy that maybe has very limited game experience to be able to handle the emotions, because when something good happens for either side, you're going to feel like you're on top of a mountain, and when something bad happens for either side, you're going to feel like you're in the lowest valley ever. So to be able to manage our emotions and to stay even keeled and stay present, I think will be so crucial on Saturday.
4: All right, Shane. So Mandy Diaz, what do you have to? Th- do you agree with him that uh, you know playing in front of a neutral neutral crowd here? I didn't I never quite put it together quite like he's put it here, but it makes a lot of sense just the swings of the game and we definitely get that at the world's largest outdoor cocktail party so maybe the gators maybe you know they're a little bit more accustomed to this. This is something the hurricanes need to be aware of heading into this game.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you one when, when I went up to the Battle of Bristol mm-hmm. and Virginia Tech was on one side and Tennessee's on the other, it was kind of weird, you know because you felt like you're at a home game. But then all of a sudden, when something goes bad, you know, you're like, man, there's a lot of fans here for the opposing team. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. um, do you think that this game – I I think Florida travels well. I think they travel better than
4: Miami. I don't think it's going to be 50-50. Do you? No, I don't think it's going to be 50-50. But I don't think he can come out and say that, you know, like <laughs> – Right. No, I know. I, I,
2: I still think – I think the Gators are going to have a little bit of a home field advantage here.
4: Yeah, I'm thinking 60-40, maybe – 65 35 that type of atmosphere yeah uh but I don't I don't know if it'll get much much better than that it just it doesn't seem like Miami fans travel to their own damn town so I just don't know how many of them are gonna come up for Orlando but this is just a little <laughs> this is a little bit different story you know there's there's a big theme park <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a theme park they're having uh, like a crazy party there five hours before kickoff at the stadium it's week zero there's no other games there's a rivalry that doesn't play that often uh i just i just hope it's uh i hope i don't even think it's going to be capacity but i hope it is and i just hope it's a wild scene you know what absolutely all right jumping to the other side shane Gainesville. Oh, Dan Mullen, he met with the media here on Monday, and as he always does, he had a lot to say. He was joking. He was feeling good. Uh, <laughs> before we get into the meat of what he had to say, Chad, I just thought it was hilarious. He was asked about suspensions, <laughs> and then he was also asked about you know the depth chart and all this. So let's play the depth chart clip, and then let's play the uh, suspension clip.
1: And I know offensive line, especially creating depth, was a, was a big concern in camp. Who would be your first guard and your first tackle up after the starters? Uh, I don't know. We'll see how this week goes in practice, see how they figure it out. Do you feel comfortable about any of those guys at this point? Well, yeah, a lot of them are young guys. So I want to see how, they, again, they have never been through a game week to, at this level. So I want to see how they handle it all. Yeah, I
4: know you talked about injuries. Do you expect any suspensions for this game?
1: Uh, if we have any, like we always do, that would be something we'd announce on Saturday before the game.
4: All right, Shane, based on that response, there will be some suspensions a-coming. <laughs> I mean, am I wrong? I mean, No, he just – he don't have the list memorized yet. You know
2: what I'm saying? <laughs> Didn't he do this last year? What what is this the same thing or is this Georgia? I don't know. It just feels like every year there's a couple of suspensions they got to get out of the way at the start of the season. You know.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's de- it's definitely not unique to Florida, but I just yeah. think this is just was a stupid way to answer that. I mean, I, I don't know what what is there to really gain from. If we do, not <laughs> <laughs> like, saying we will. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's there's going to be a couple of questionable injuries that help that hold people out. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but I thought the the highlight of Dan Mullen's presser, Shane, who's talking about embracing the spotlight of the week zero. I thought. I mean, it was kind of a silly question by the reporter asking him, you know, do you guys get tight for you're the only game on all this, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I thought Dan Mullen gave the perfect answer here.
6: It's, it's not too often that you get the college football stage to yourself unless you're playing in a title game of some sort. Uh, do you embrace that? Do you not mention it with the players as, in terms of not wanting to overwhelm them or you, you, you do the opposite? Oh, I'm all in.
1: I mean, we're to embrace it. It's out there. I mean, hey, you get everybody, you know, everybody in the country is waiting for college football. Uh, excited about college football, you know, to me, and it's a Saturday, you know, so a lot of teams aren't practicing, you know, a lot of teams haven't started their game week yet. Uh, to me, one of the, the great things and even challenge not just the fans, all the other teams are watching us. What are they going to see? What are they going to think? What, what's our stamp, you know, and everybody, every college football person in the country turns on that game. What are they going to see? What are they, what's their thought when they watch the Florida Gators and we got to go out there and live up to that on the field. Yeah, what's our what's our you know? I mean, everybody's watching. What do you want them to think about you? Um, you know, and embrace it.
4: All right, Shane. So the eyes of the nation will be on Florida, Miami this Saturday, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, like Mullen puts it here, I mean, show everyone what you, what you're made of. Show them how good you are. And uh, that's that's the the right approach. And it's it's got to be that instead of uh, playing with fear. You know what? Absolutely. Now, this
2: is great right here. And, you know, I've heard a lot of people complain about Florida getting an extra week of practice, you know, and but they have they've really got a lot of pressure because everyone's going to be watching this game. So, you know, when he talks about embracing it, you know, that's that's it. You, you've got a chance to kind of create the narrative for the Florida Gators this season with this one game. I mean, there's not – it's kind of like that Texas A&M-Clemson game. A lot of people watched that game, and then they didn't watch any more Texas A&M, but they thought Texas A&M had a great team because they competed with the national champs. You know what I'm saying?
0: Right.
2: Same thing here. People aren't going to know – unless they're like huge SEC followers like us or a Gator fans, obviously, they're not going to know what the Gators do week three or week five, you know what I'm saying? But they're always going to remember how they started the season against Miami, just like LSU did last year. And if they come out and destroy Miami, you talk about a signature win and creating a narrative and helping recruiting. There's a lot of things riding on this game.
4: Yeah, without a doubt. So that's why Dan Mullen playing it right is he's, he's, more of an opportunity than a, yeah. than a challenge. And I think if they take that approach – I think they're going to kill the Hurricanes if they they take that approach.
2: Absolutely. And I know they're doing this for year 150. I hope this thing becomes a trend, man. I hope we got a game like this every single year.
4: You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, it's just, why not? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So another thing Dan Mullen had to say here, Shane, that Florida fans should really appreciate, he was asked about the progression of Felipe Franks. And uh, I thought this was a this was probably the the best quote he gave of the day here.
5: Uh, Dan, you alluded to earlier regarding Felipe, uh, talking about how we'll see in terms yeah. of whether he can get to that standard that you're that you're talking about when you see as a him, leader, yes, and uh, but also as as a as a football player, uh, when you look at how much he improved last year, mm-hmm. both as a leader and as a player, is he going to have to have just as much improvement this year to get to where you want to go? want him to go
1: well I think I have more improvement this year I think he's already improved you know more during the offseason than he did throughout last season and on the field uh, in his performance and understanding the system and decision making and and how to make plays um, but it is the big picture of the quarterback you know it's it's every intangible that comes with that of uh, how you manage the game you know, uh, your decision-making and your leadership and your mental-physical toughness, all of those aspects of things at the quarterback position that I think he's taken huge strides at more than, you know, he's completing a higher percentage of his passes. You know, I mean, I, I, I've i seen him do all the on-the-field stuff at a much, much higher level, a greater improvement from January to now than all of last season. So, um, But the will we'll see is is the leadership of how he's going to handle the highs and lows and the adversities that we're going to face, whether it's a – adversity of success or adversity of defeat and how we handle all of that in between.
4: All right, Shane. So according to Dan Mullen, Felipe Franks improved more this off season than he did during the season last year. And we all know, I mean, this time last year, it was like, when's Felipe going to get benched? That was kind of the narrative. <laughs> and then by the end of the season, it's like, my God, this guy, I mean, he could be a Heisman candidate. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that was the talk. So if he's, if he's made, I mean, this could just be coach speak, but if he's made a bigger leap than that, uh, I mean, he's going to be a special player this year.
2: Yeah. I mean, because he did progress last year, you know, I mean, there was at times we were wondering if he was going to put, be put on the bench, but he, like at the end of the season, he was actually looking pretty damn good out there. So if he's made bigger strides in the off season, then, I don't know, man. I just, I'm not willing to trust Dan just yet. I mm-hmm. want to see it in action. I want to see Felipe in action. Uh, I, I just want to see a better quarterback this year. Not just, I mean, he, not like he was a turnover machine or anything like that, but, you know, something we talked about. I want to see a little bit more mobility, a little bit of that Dak Prescott esque quarterback, you know, that we saw with Dan Mullen. Mm-hmm. Um, if we can get that, yeah, I think the Gators can surprise a few people this year.
4: Well, speaking of Felipe Frank, Shane, he had a little bit of a media availability today on Monday. And man, this guy, his confidence level, at least <laughs> speaking with the media, is night and day different. Remember, I remember last year you really pointed to, I think it was, they were asking him, you know, like, what are your thoughts on potentially winning the job? And he was like, well... That'd be nice. (laughs) (laughs) If I do, I I do. (laughs) If I don't, I don't, you know. And now, I mean, this is uh, damn night and day here. Felipe Franks heading into his uh, junior season. What are
1: the expectations of yourselves? You know the
5: outside ones, but within the team. Within the team, I think going into a year, I think that
0: you would be wrong if you weren't going with the expectations of winning a national
2: title. I think that you'd be selling yourself a short. And I think that this team is really special. I think that we expect – 20 games. I think that's the Cator standard, and um, we expect each other to win every Saturday and try to, you know, be a playoff contender and win a championship here again. That's the expectations every year.
4: All right, Shane. So he's. I mean, he's laid it out there. I mean, they. Yeah. They have high expectations. He's got the highest of expectations, and uh, I mean, it, it, a lot of it rides on his shoulders. But he seems far more comfortable in that role.
2: Dude, this is his team. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Maybe this was Dan getting to him, talking about alpha dogs or something like that. I mean, now he's so pumped up, he's winning 20 games this year and a national championship. You know what I'm saying? That's where he's at right now. So, and he's bringing, and hopefully, he's bringing the team along with him.
4: Now, Shane, we've been doing a lot of sunshine pumping here for the Gators. Yeah, we have. So I want to. It's almost
2: make, making me a little sick, Mark. <laughs> no, I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> well,
4: let me ask you this though, because we'll, we'll jump to uh, this clip of LaMichael uh, P. Ryan, and he specifically notes the AP poll, so that, you know they're looking at that. Uh, let's just jump to that, and then I'll I'll ask you about it on the back end.
5: I feel like now we're getting a lot more respect than what we used get in the AP polls. Uh, a lot of times, it'll probably be like ranked 20, 25th in the nation. Maybe not even ranked. But uh, it's good to have that uh, being number eight in the country, man, seeing a lot of, uh, showing a lot of hard work, you know, and, um, and just more to come for this. Program.
4: All right, Shane. So he's fired up that the Gators are getting their their respect. They're in the top 10
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Now, is this pure confidence here? Or is this potentially, you know, when coaches say, we've been reading our damn press clippings, I mean, this seems like, exactly what they're talking about what he what he's kind of no i mean it's like they're studying where they're at in the poll you know what i mean every day
2: yeah you don't want your players coming out talking about an ap poll you know the <laughs> day. uh I, I, that's that's 101 right there because you're right and, and if when they if they fall and i'll say that they're going to but if and when if they lose a game, it's going to be that much worse on this team, you know, because they're focused, like you said, on where they are and where they think other people think they should be. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I've always, you know, it just feels like if something goes wrong, and they're they're so curious about the media that it becomes a bigger problem.
4: Mm-hmm. Now, on the let's go back to the sunshine pump and shame because we All do right. we do got this update right before we jumped on the pod here. Tim Tebow, he's going to be at the game, I, I assume, for his SEC Nation responsibilities. And Dan Mullins asked him to speak to the team during pregame. <laughs> so <laughs> the Gators got that. And Tim Tebow, of course, whipped Miami's ass back in 2008, I believe it was. 26-3. Uh, yeah. to 3. So he's undefeated against Hurricane. So, hey, they got Tebow on their side. And, uh, I mean, that's about as almost as good as, as you can get right there. Absolutely, man. I mean, honestly, who would you rather – here before you go on the field Dan Mullen or
2: Tim Tebow you know what I'm saying <laughs> not that not that Dan Mullen's a bad guy I could just hear him doing a lot of pauses and things like that Tebow's going to get these guys fired up he's going to get their minds right that you know he's doing what a lot of these athletes are striving to do and with their future so uh yeah they're going to be pumped up man this is a good move for Florida
4: all right Shane uh this will be kind of a quick one We're recording late uh, I know we got some reviews to get to, but we'll get to that on the next episode. Do you mm-hmm. have anything else before we hop off here?
2: Absolutely. Mailbag questions, too. If you got some mailbag questions, uh, when we post this pod review on Twitter, you can put your mailbag questions in there. You can also do it on that SEC podcast um, uh, on Reddit, and we, of course, are on Twitter as well. So uh, we're going to try to get to some mailbag
4: questions tomorrow, Mike. All right, Shane, so that'll do it for this one. Remember to give us a five-star heart on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever the hell it's called now. That really helps out the pod, and we'll read them here on the air. Uh, Thank you for joining me, Shane. As always, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one.
2: All right, see you guys. Go follow.
4: Stoops, uh, you know, he seemed like he was really pleased with both sides of his ball, which is interesting. The scrim- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry.